when we launched our brand in the US, we showed it to retail buyers, the crepes, the pancakes, the Belgian waffle. And buyers told us, oh, this is frozen breakfast. And Greg and I, we looked at each other. We're like, what is frozen breakfast? Like, we had no idea. We had never heard of frozen breakfast. Why would you freeze breakfast? You eat it every single day. It was so foreign to us. Anouk Gottlieb is the CEO of Belgian Boys, a company that provides delicious European treats in the United States. An encounter on a flight from Belgium to New York inspired Anouk and her business and life partner, Greg, to start their business. Since their launch in 2015, Belgian Boys has made their mark on the U.S. retail market. They're now available in 5,000 stores across the country and online. Tune in to hear how Anouk's unique take on breakfast is creating joy for customers and spreading sweetness in people's lives. Coming up, how a chance encounter on a flight from Belgium changed Anouk's life, the importance of branding your product, you'll hear about the difference between the European and US markets, from bootstrapping to raising capital, and finally, the number one role Anouk had when fundraising for her business. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Anouk, we are so thrilled to finally have the opportunity to sit down and hear all about your entrepreneurista journey. You have built and scaled an incredible brand, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear all about your story. But I would love to hear everything from the beginning. Did you always know that you wanted to have your own business one day? First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Did I know that I wanted to open my own business? Absolutely not. I was really someone's plus one on this journey. And so that was absolutely not my dream, ambition, or something I thought I would do. I just got into it, I guess. How did you get into it? <laughs> um, well, so basically my, I'm, I'm Greg's plus one, Greg's my husband. And it all started on a plane when I met him. Uh, Greg basically moved from Belgium to the US to college. And, you know, just like every expat, he was bringing those waffles, cookies, treats that he grew up with in Belgium for himself to enjoy. And his American friends in the dorms were like, Oh my God, Greg, this is good. Where can we buy it? And he's like, couldn't buy it in the US at that time. They couldn't find it. And at that point he was like, maybe, maybe this, this is something I should look into and pursue. And then we actually met on a flight from Belgium to New York. My background's fashion design. So I was, I come from a completely different world. I was literally designing dresses and sewing and sketching and creating. And at that point, I was like, Greg had this idea. And I'm just like, oh, well, let me help my boyfriend to make a logo and tell a story behind the brand that he wants to create. And very fast, I just joined with him and left fashion behind. What year was this? 2015, we launched a business. We started talking about it in 2014. 
Is the brand that you put together, the logo, still the same that it is today? I was going to ask that question, Courtney. (laughs) So the logo hasn't had many changes. I did work with freelancers on it. I can't take all the credit, right? The branding did change. I mean, we have such a talented team right now. And I think it also goes back to what we set out to build and what we are right now. When we started the business, we're like, oh my God, we need to bring this product so that people can be reminded of when they went to Amsterdam or Brussels and want to re-experience that. And really that nostalgia that we had for our authentic flavors. And it was very, you know, lighter palette colors and very authentic European. And over time, I think that's actually one of our biggest learning is that Our consumers, most of our consumers have never been to Belgium, never will go to Belgium or to Amsterdam or the streets of Paris. Our consumer buys our product because it tastes so freaking delicious. It's quick and easy. And they just want to upgrade their breakfast game. And that's the solution we provide. So I think we made a lot of learnings and our team that we have today, our design team did such a phenomenal job at just elevating that base that we had. What was the first product that you launched? So we actually, we launched with a wide range of products. So we did have the Belgian waffle, the soup waffles, pancakes and crepes. And really it was because I think, we, first of all, we didn't know what CPG and how you start a brand. We were just like, yeah, that's the favorite treats we had. Let's just bring all of them and bring many of them. So we launched with a wide assortment initially, and I think it was completely coincidence. I want to hear how you figured out what to do to get this business off the ground. So your background is in fashion and design. Did Greg have a background in food? So Greg's family is in the catering business. So he grew up in kitchens, very, very different, right? But he did grow up in kitchens. I mean, I think myself as well, we grew up in very warm households where we both had very caring grandparents where you walked into the door and said, like, what do you want to eat? Like here, here, like take, oh, no, 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 you haven't eaten anything. Like we both come from those very nurturing Jewish households in Europe and the fashion background. I mean, it just led me to do what I do. I think it just started with, for me, I thought that if you bring a product, you can't just put a waffle in a wrapper on a shelf. We needed to tell our story. We needed to say something through the product because people buy with their eyes. And I think that's something that from fashion, you know, before you like, you visualize, you see something on the shelf, you visualize how that's going to look on me, right? And your product can be the most delicious product in food. But if it doesn't look good on the shelf, who's going to pick it up? If you have a brand name or a product name, that the consumer cannot pronounce, you are giving them the feeling to be stupid. Why would they pick that up, right? So I think this is really the learnings that we had along the way and and some of that background that really was applied in a different way to, to CPG. I absolutely love the branding and you're spot on. I think just seeing the product makes you want to pick it up and try it, not knowing anything about it. But I'd love to learn more about the process for product development. You mentioned Greg's family was in catering, but what was that like deciding to do this and then developing the first product line? Where did you go? Did you cook your own recipes? And where is everything made? 
So actually product R&D, that's really Greg's area in the business. Again, we have a supporting team right now, but that's really his strength. And I think unlike the traditional challenging brand, started in a kitchen, went to a commercial kitchen, looked for a cool man, Greg went big. He went to the biggest co-manufacturers in Europe and was like, hey, I'm going to bring waffle, Belgian waffles to the US. Do you want to partner up with me? And I guess he was very, very persuasive because we, to this day, have amazing partners, manufacturing capabilities and have not had that challenge of like, outgrowing, need something else. So we've been really lucky. It was set up again. I think, I don't want to say coincidence. I think Greg really saw that vision very big. But it's been quite organic for us in that production way. And, you know, we are really bringing those staples, those traditional treats that we grew up with. It's the real thing, right? The real Belgian waffle, that soft one that's made out of fresh dough that you have the pearl sugar in it, that real Dutch soup waffle that if you put on your coffee mug, those steams will melt the inside caramel and get it gooey. So when you eat it, it's crunchy on the inside. And that's French grape and Dutch mini pancakes, which we called puffer trust in Dutch. And that's really what we grew up with every single day in your, in Belgium growing up and wanted to bring those favorites to the U.S. Well, you are making me very hungry, and I luckily have some of your products in my uh, kitchen, which I will be eating after uh, we finish recording this. So thank you for the reminder. Can you tell us about some of the challenges that you had in the early days? You know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and are part of our Entrepreneurs League community, and they're thinking about starting businesses in the food space. What were some of those challenging moments, and what did you learn from them? Yeah, there are so many challenges, right? Like from, I guess, a container being stolen, literally, to, I don't know, lots of supply chain challenges and issues. But I think I'll actually answer your question with something that I've realized recently is, you know, hearing no's. So when you start and you are going out to the world with your baby, your product that you're created, that you're so proud of, you hear the word no a lot of times and how to deal with that no, I think is very challenging because you take it very personally. You can't, but not, right? Like this is literally the thing you spend years to create. So when you hear, I'm not sure about this or no, but have you thought about that? You're like, wait, you don't get it. And I think it's the realization after years and understanding that no doesn't mean you suck, right? It means, hey, this is not right. This is not right for me. It's not the right opportunity. It's not the right time. It's not a fit. It doesn't mean, no, this is no good. You are no good. And I think realizing that has really opened up a lot of things for us. I'll give you an example, our breakfast line. So when we launched our brand in the US, we showed it to retail buyers, the crepes, the pancakes, the Belgian waffle. And buyers told us, oh, this is frozen breakfast. And Greg and I, we looked at each other. We're like, what is frozen breakfast? We had no idea. We had never heard of frozen breakfast. Why would you freeze breakfast? You eat it every single day. It was so foreign to us. Our experience growing up in Europe, we shopped those products refrigerated. And if you think about it, where do you buy breakfast foods in the stores? Where do you buy eggs? 
Where do you buy milk? Where do you buy yogurt? It's all refri orange juice, all refrigerated. So why do you make people go all across the store to buy complimentary items and stock up on something they're going to eat every single day? Like it makes zero sense. So we went to the retailers like, no, we want to be refrigerated breakfast. The amount of no's we got, I, I stopped counting. And we could have let it go. You know, we did launch in frozen breakfast. We performed well in frozen breakfast. We were bringing growth to the set. But in our gut, we were like, at that point, we were saying, no, this is not right. This is not our vision. This is not what Belgian boys is. We are making European foods mainstream. And that also means the consumption, how the product is enjoyed, but also how the product is shopped, the relationship with the consumer, what you're solving as a need for the consumer. It's that whole experience, not only the product that we sell. And so in 2019, like four years into our business, well, 2018, we had a rotation at Costco. We did extremely well. We were very excited, went back to those retail buyers, specialty stores, like, look, look, look. And they're like, no, you're frozen breakfast. In 2019, finally, we got a shot at Walmart in 65 stores. And we really exceeded expectations. Over the span of four years, we grew our Walmart business to a thousand stores. We are now working with retail partners like Target, Whole Foods, Kroger, Meyer, Fresh Market, Harman's, like really amazing partners that now say, I get it. I get breakfast. I get a breakfast destination in refrigerated. And Belgian Boys is becoming that anchor brand in that set that's really being created today. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I think there's so many lessons to unpack there from hearing no to continuing and keeping going, but then going back to what you really knew was right for your business and believing in it. And then I have some questions for you about refrigerated breakfast. So I do think that the consumer has been trained to buy frozen breakfast or buy those type of foods in the frozen section. What did you do to educate the consumer to know what is refrigerated breakfast and to come find you and then have that success? Because clearly it worked and you had all these sales and all the retailers came back and said you were right. Yes. I mean, I think there is education to be done, but not a lot, to be honest, because it really makes sense. So the consumer is finding us there next to the eggs and they're like, you know, you go to the egg set, let's say. You're going there with the idea, I'm going to buy eggs. One pack, two pack, three packs. You know how many packs. The fact that there are 15 or 15 brands there doesn't mean you're going to buy more because there is more choice, right? So when they see Belgian boys there, they're like, hmm, I could eat this with the eggs. This is complimentary. I could top it. It really brings the creativity in the consumer as a really complimentary item for the retailers. It's been, oh, wow, like this is growth in my set that's not hurting my velocities for eggs. So that's been a super win-win situation there. But for the consumer, it's been really organic, just like that surprise and delight to find it there easier. I think at uh, retailers like, for instance, Target, there's really been a lot of thought about how do we build this so you have some 
cracking eggs, you know, like egg bites, you have some potatoes, some bacon. So really creating that, hey, I can buy all my breakfast here now. And I think the more time will go on, I think that's what we're going to see, really creating that destination. It's going to take time, that's for sure. But for now, it's really been that delight of finding us there. What is the shelf life of your products since they're refrigerated versus frozen? So our product is 30 days refrigerated. So interesting. I'm glad I know all of this now because I didn't know any of this before. And it's so interesting to just learn about how you've really created this new category. And it's, I just, I love it. So congrats on all you've done so far. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Up next... How to look at fundraising differently in the current environment. Anouk, so many entrepreneurs had pivotal moments and changes during the pandemic. I feel like so many of our businesses changed during the pandemic. Some people's businesses did extremely well. Some people's businesses completely failed. So many of us have, you know, went through a lot of personal experiences trying to keep our companies afloat during the pandemic. I would love to hear about your experience in 2020 and what it meant for you personally and your business. So for the, I'll start with the business first. When the pandemic started, we had a big airline contract. We had lots of food service business, so can, like corporate offices. So when that started, we really, really were in a bad spot because overnight, a big portion of our revenue just was no longer a channel, right? For us, it was, and, and I, for anyone enough, food and bev, that pandemic is kind of the start of it. It was like Expo West of 2020 that was canceled, lots of drama, lots of excitement there. But I think it was pivoting, understanding, okay, this is no longer a channel, whereas, and we grew in that year, but it could have very much not been the case had we not pivoted, had we not say, oh, well, we have all these food service items. Where are we going to sell them? What are we going to do with it? How are we going to overcome that? I think on a personal level, everyone faced lots of things, right? Like it was hard. I had, uh, Greg and I have two boys. Our youngest was born a few months before the pandemic. So we were there with two kids with a warehouse shorts. We actually got a garage, started doing all our DTC ourselves at night. It was quite an adventure to be honest. But in August, it did take a toll and I was about to burn out um, very heavily. I was working at like, in a home with my husband, with kids, with limited help. It was, it was really, and, and the stress of the business, the existential stress of the business. And actually it was my brother who saved us. So my brother tricked my husband and I into a session of mindfulness. He um, got us a coach and we had no idea. He offered to babysit our kids on a Sunday morning which I thought was quite weird. So anyway, I was like, hi, how are you? And really ready to like pitch our business or whatever. So talk to me. And I'm like, okay. Then she explained what she was doing. 
and it has changed my life. It has changed the way I operate, the way I see our business, the way I see our journey, the way I see success, the way I see the everyday and our communication, the communication with our team. And in my opinion, it has unlocked the growth of our company completely. There is not one week that I do not start it with my 9 a.m. call with my mindfulness coach. Can you share with everyone what mindfulness is and what does it mean to have a mindfulness coach? Like, what do you do? So my mindfulness coach is really oriented to the corporate world, right? I mean, talk to me meditation, like a few years ago, I would be like, who has time for that? Talk to me coach a few years ago. I'm like, who? Like, no, I don't need that. Who has time for that again? And the corporate mindfulness, there is meditation involved, of course, but it's more, how can you be present in the moment, right? How can you have a conversation and mindfully listen to what the other person is saying to you? How can you mirror back in your own words what they say? How do you deal with stress? How do you deal with anxiety? What are some tools and tricks? Multitasking versus being in your task and being able to just look at the bigger picture for me and not being being less into the weeds and understanding the reason why that is important. Is there a specific practice that you have or way that you integrate mindfulness into your everyday? You know, okay, so let's say you drink your morning coffee, right? For me, that's the moment of my day. Okay, so you drink your morning coffee, but usually you're doing like a hundred different things already, right? You're scrolling on your phone, you're reading email, you're probably doing a lunchbox, you have a shoe of a kid flying somewhere on your head. Like, can you sit down and actually drink your morning coffee and enjoy and be present in that moment. It takes five minutes, but start your day that way. See the change that this brings to your life. And hey, I'm a mom. I have kids. I know how hard that is, right? To just drink your coffee. But this is also about prioritization for yourself. And my kids know mommy's drinking her coffee. And it's so simple. It's like such a tiny tool. And I think it really illustrates that, like, you know, okay, on a small level, how you can apply that to your everyday and other things in your life. Has this influenced how you parent your children and how you do different activities with them? Yes, I try. <laughs> I can't say that I'm there all the time. I mean, yeah, patience, it's hard, right? It's hard. It's actually, I was reading about that this week. You know how. And I kind of gave the analogy to my team as well, because I had the realization, it's about realizing things that happen in your day. So uh, Josh was getting ready for school and we were like running late. And, you know, he was like, you know, there was like still putting the socks, putting the shoes, putting the jacket. And I was like, no, I, I want to do it by myself. He's three years old. So you're watching him put the wrong shoe on the wrong feet. You're watching him like putting the wrong sleeve in the wrong arm. And I'm just like, I need to be out in like two minutes. So it's like, mommy, I want to do it by myself. And I gave this analogy to the team because just like kids, the team wants to be empowered, right? I can come in and do it faster. I don't know if better, but I can do like, hey, this is how we do it. This is why we do it. Like, yeah, it's going to be faster, 
is that better? And I, am I doing a service to my kids by saying, hey, put your jacket on, let's close it, let's go? No, he wants to do something by himself. And I'm literally telling him, no, don't do that because that's going to make us late. That's horrible. <laughs> literally, if you think about it. But you got to think about it without judgment. And it's okay. And do something different next time. I think I need a mindfulness coach, so <laughs> I'm going to need you to share uh, share the information if your uh, mindfulness coach is taking taking new clients. She is amazing. She really is. Thank you for for sharing all of that. I think that's really helpful. I think for a lot of us to hear, we're always all go go go, running the race onto the next thing, onto the next meeting, and just taking those moments, like you said, to have that cup of coffee, not be distracted. Think about what it tastes like and it'll just help us be so much more present in everything we're trying to accomplish in our life personally and everything we're, we're all trying to do in business. So thank you for, for sharing that. I want to switch gears a little bit, but I bet some of what you just shared applies to what I'm about to ask you. I do want to hear about your fundraising journey, you know, how you initially financed the business from the beginning. And I know you raised your first round of capital, I believe it was last year. And I bet all of your mindfulness skills that you learned helped you through the process. But (laughs) we'd love if you could share, you know, what your experience was like um, and any learning lessons. I think tested a lot of what I learned, for sure. I think looking back at it, I'm like, oh, that's what it was, right? But um, so we self-funded our business. We gotten to where we were last year by, honestly, I don't know, loans, credit cards, another credit card, another loan, another debt. Our risk tolerance is really too high. I'll be honest with it, like too high. I'm not saying it's something good, right? But we did. And we really, really bootstrapped our business for many, many years. And I'm very grateful for that because I believe that in many situations, you know, when you do get funds involved into your business, being completely aligned with your partner is the base principle to success. But if you don't truly know yet what it is that you have to do with your business, and it's normal, right? Like it took us five, six years to know that refrigerated breakfast was the thing. I'm confident that we would have been steered off that path had we had another partner, have we had a partner before that. So I'm very grateful for that experience of bootstrapping and what I learned from it with Greg and and our team. And then in 2021, we finally said, okay, we know what the hell we're going to do with this business. We know kind of how we're going to do it. Now let's find people that we can lean on, that can help us scale that vision, people that have been there. We knew that we wanted people from the industry, CPG. We have a lot of amazing angels in our round and our fundraising journey was absolutely not traditional. We raised from, I mean, it's funny, but Greg and I had one role and we were like, it's got to be people we can go out to dinner with two nights in a row and still want to go with for a third night. Like that was our rule. And we had like a mind test for that. We were just like, so we were visualizing them calling us and um, wanting to talk to them, <laughs> wanting to talk to them. Like, you know what? Like, this is my life. This is my journey. I get to work with my husband and amazing individuals. I get to work with amazing 
people and I get to have amazing supporters that actually believe in our brand that want to cheer for us. Now, it wasn't easy. And then I really pitched a lot, heard a lot of no's. And in the end, it was a, actually an investor that passed on the opportunity that said, but let me introduce you to Ellie, who is a, who was at Kind Bar and now works with Daniel Lubetsky in the family office. And he's my role model. I was just like, oh my God, like this is never going to happen. Like this is such a long shot. And I'm very grateful for them believing in me for their support. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still speechless that it did happen. And we have just the best partner in the industry for us. How long was your fundraising journey when you set out to raise your round? Nine months-ish. Nine months. Ish, even more, yeah. So your fundraising process was nine months. And during that time, you still had to run your business and be the CEO of your business and take care of your two children. How did you go about managing your time and prioritizing each thing that you had to accomplish? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. You just do it day by day because you have to, right? And I think you understand that going under the like, you know, uh, under your sheets and saying, okay, tomorrow will be better. Like that doesn't help, right? You actually got to do if you want to go somewhere. And actually like in the re like this year, I've had like some clues and some moments that really defined the way I view success, right? Because success always is portrayed as this like, we're going to do this, we're going to achieve this and you're going to get the 100 million and you're going to IPO and you're going to sell your business. And I mean, really, is that winning? Is that success? No, it's not like at the end you get a trophy and you're like, hey, Steph, you win. Here's a trophy. And there's an amazing book, Simon Sinek. It's called The Infinite Game. Changed really my complete vision on that. I strongly recommend that book. What if success is your whole journey? What if it's the joys of that journey? You know, like having this conversation, going home and like being with my kids for an hour before, yes, answering important or maybe some challenging emails at night, right? But that's the journey. I want to enjoy every day of the journey and some days are shitty, like hard and it sucks. And you're like, really? But really, if you think about it, those hard moments, six months from now are the moments where you're like, wow, thank you. I went through this. This was an MBA. I learned so much from it and I could have never learned this lesson had I not gone through this experience. I'm not there yet, but can I get to a point that I'm grateful when a challenge comes to actually see, oh yes, this is like an opportunity. Let's go for it like in the right moment. I think that's like next level. Get there. <laughs> I, I love that. I think you're right there because just having the awareness of that. So then when you start to go through that challenge, you're already aware versus like just being like frantic in the moment. We uh, just had on the podcast, Amy Schoenthal, she writes for Forbes and she's writing a book on this and the setbacks and challenges that founders go through. I have to connect you with her. Yes. Oh my God. I would love to. 
What has been the biggest setback or challenge that you've experienced? I think it's dealing with disappointment and being okay with that, right? Like we went through discontinuation. We went through hard conversation and you're disappointed, right? It's it's a setback, but would I do it differently? Absolutely not because you learn from it, right? You learn from these experiences and, you know, some contracts that didn't go through wasn't the right time. Our time will come, right? And you have to look at it that way because if not, then you're completely mad at everybody and everything all the time. Do you respond differently now to some of these challenges and setbacks than you did in the beginning when you first started? 100%. So funny story. Well, not funny in the moment, but we had this like manufacturing thing and and our product came in and the, the cases didn't have leads. They didn't have leads. And so we called them topless crepes because the leads didn't show. Honestly, it was like a nightmare, nightmare logistically. Like we had to find leads, print them, go, this, every case needed a lead. But like, okay, we called it topless grapes. And like, how many topless grapes are left? Do we need to look at it? Like, it was just like, it became like just a funny thing. And even in like this huge challenge that happened because of a manufacturing thing that's, okay, let's make this into something that we can actually all smile about and we'll get over it. And like, Who's going to remember this in like, well, we're all going to remember this, but in a funny way, I think. In a yeah. Way. No, I feel like I can, I can so relate to that. I feel like in the beginning when you're first starting out, like everything's at state, the emotions are so high, yes. every challenge, it's like, feels like the end of the world. And then years into business, like every day there's like high highs and low lows that you just have to stay this like even keel. It's like, oh, this happened. Okay, everything's figure outable. We'll figure it out. And mm-hmm. I just personally, I, I like try not to emotionally react to anything because you can't, or you would just every day you would be like you know, all over I, the place. I completely agree with you. And you know, okay, so we are conditioned to think about our businesses in like months and quarters and years, and you go with that short-term mindset because you got to make your revenue go, your margin go, your this go, your that go on a very short-term period. And, you know, like, hey, if the truck didn't ship on 11.30 because it missed the truck, I don't know, didn't get there and it's going to ship on 12.1, then we're going to miss revenue from November and it's going to go to December, right? And you can really upset at it. And years ago I was, I'm like, no, we're going to miss November. Or you can be like, listen, on a span of 10 years, who cares if it got in in November 30 or December 1st? Like, honestly, let's not drive ourselves crazy. The truck had a problem. It didn't pick up. You couldn't ship. You invoiced on December 1st. It's okay. We're not, you know, life's fine. Yeah, I say everything's figure out of all. Well, I want to ask you some final questions about your fundraising process, because I know we have a lot of founders in our community right now that are thinking about raising capital or they're currently in the middle of their round. And it's really hard. And especially it's hard for women in general raising capital. We all know the statistics and it's especially hard right now, just given the market conditions. Any tips you can share based on your experience for founders that are setting out to raise capital right now? I was at a conference two, three weeks ago in November, talked a lot about like that subject. 
it's tough right now. It's hard. There's no sugar coating it. It's not the right time. The market, like what's going on in the world has nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do, you know, again, appreciating that no, right? It doesn't mean your business sucks. It means that a lot of people lost a lot of money and they just have less money to invest. I think it's really important for founders today to think about alternatives as well. Think about debt. Think about creative. Think about different way to capitalize your business as well. And, you know, actually I was talking about this a few, I don't remember last week or something. Be grateful. Be yourself, but also look at other alternatives because it's it's tough out there today. I know you mentioned you had received loans, grants, credit cards, other forms of funding. Any tips or recommendations you can share about deciding on the best other alternative forms of financing aside from raising capital? I mean, and and I don't know for all the industries, for food and bev, there are revolving line of credits, either, I mean, with the bank when you're a bit bigger, but even when you're a smaller revenue, they finance your receivables, they finance your inventory. Interest is high for sure, but it's still cheaper than equity if you think about it, right? Credit cards, open another one and another one. Like, honestly, that's advice, right? And you believe in your business, Again, I, I'm not saying look around you, but try and look one circle, two circles, three circles, four circles around you and say, hey, let's do a loan on better interest than what you would get at the bank, better interest than if you would put it in a bond. I'll give you interest on a monthly basis, but I need cash right now. And maybe one day it becomes a convertible loan, a convertible note. If this business is successful, then you get the right to convert this loan that you gave me this year because this year was hard and get a discount when it does convert, whether that's in 12, 24 or like 18 or 24 months. I think that using your energy for those conversations today might be easier than than going the what worked in 2018. We're going to be doing some workshops within our Entrepreneurs League community, sharing a lot of this information and giving the women in our community access to, you know, a lot of these other alternative forms of, of financing through credit cards, through loans, grants, because it's just really important to get access to that information. So thank you for sharing what you did. I think it's super helpful to hear. And for, you know, our listeners who are looking for more of this information, we're going to be doing more workshops. So definitely, definitely check in for those as well. Coming up, you'll hear how Anouk has decided to define success on her own terms. All right, Anouk, this is one of my favorite segments. I am going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So the first word or words that comes to your mind, are you ready? Ready. Describe yourself in three words. Oh my God. Learner. Positive and happy. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite app on your phone that you cannot live without? Email. Do you have a favorite business tool or solution that's helped you grow your business? Slack. LinkedIn also. LinkedIn and Slack. I'm I'm with you on those two. And final rapid fire question. Do you have a hidden talent? I'm very, very good at puzzles. It's kind of boring, but I really am. (laughs) 
I wish Courtney was back on for this. And I don't know if our listeners noticed that Courtney was on for the beginning of this episode and her, unfortunately, her Wi-Fi went out. So she has missed the second half of this episode. Courtney loves puzzles. She would be so happy to, she would talk to you about puzzles all day long. So (laughs) you know what? It's like the only activity that I found that I can truly, but truly disconnect completely. I can be busy at a puzzle for hours, for a day until I get it done. And nothing about anything but finding the spot for the piece. I have learned over the past year with my daughter, Molly, that I'm really bad at puzzles and she's better than me. (laughs) You really do need focus for that. I have like such a hard time. I just am not good at it. Just focusing on the puzzle. And I think it'd probably be good for me to to probably mindfulness for me to just focus on one thing on the puzzle. But I'm, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) What else do you enjoy doing when you're not busy building your business? What do you what else do you do for fun? For fun, I mean, I love being with the family. I love being with my kids. I think the family, I'm extremely lucky that I have such a supportive family. My parents are literally the best parents in the world. Shout out to my mom and dad if they're listening. But yeah, just, I mean, I love to travel, etc. But I think it's really just like being in the moment with the people that are around me. Do you think your kids are going to want to start their own business one day? So Liam goes in the elevator and is like, hi, my name is Liam Belgium Boys. What's your name? Like, oh, gosh, <laughs> literally like this business is everything that we do. Like it consumes yeah. us. But hey, I love what I do. Yeah. Right. Like. I go on a date with my husband and we talk about work because we love it. We go on a trip and we go visit grocery stores. Like it's weird, but for us, it's cool and we love it. And it's what drives us and what passions us. And that passion goes on to our team and we're building an exciting brand. And that's what consumes us most days, most time and I feel very lucky. I love what I do every single day, even when it sucks. I'm with you. And when you're passionate about building something, it doesn't feel like you're working, even when things are really hard. It's just about, you know, getting through and figuring things out. But I feel the same as you. It's like, everyone's like, what do you like to do for fun? I'm like, I like to build businesses. Like what show TV shows you watch? I'm like, I just work on building my business. That's actually what I love to do. Like that's my, that's my favorite thing. So I totally relate to that. What are you most grateful for every day? I actually started practicing gratitude. So I feel like when you ask that question, usually it's like my life, my health, my kids, the world, the planet. I practice gratitude every day, which means every day in the evening, I write three things I'm grateful for. Today, it's going to be this conversation, an earlier email where there was good news shared and probably the glass of wine I'm going to drink tonight. Like those are the three things I'm going to be grateful for today. And when you spell it down to every day, what I'm grateful for, it's the little things. It's like, it was a sunny day. I got to spend an hour with my kids. I got to meet somebody that I really wanted to meet. I got to have coffee with someone special. I had drinks with a friend, like small things and not health and life that are so big because obviously you're grateful for those but what makes those it's the small things in life absolutely I love that do you have a mantra or quote that you live your life by yes what doesn't kill you makes you stronger 
Amen. <laughs> so many things that you're just like, well, I should have been knocked out by now yeah. so many times. Just made me stronger. Absolutely. Oh, I want to stay and chat with you forever. I feel like we could just keep talking and talking. And I know you have to get back to your teeth and your voice. So I'm going to ask you one final question. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? I think it's being okay that things that you don't have it in control and wanting to spread your mission and what you believe in across as far as possible while enjoying what you do. I love that. I am so excited to continue to see all of the incredible things that you're going to accomplish in your business and life. Where can everyone find you, follow you? And now that everyone is salivating to try all of your products, where can they go buy them? Uh, so you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm usually the most responsive. And you got leap. And you can find our amazing products at Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, Meyer, Fresh Market, just a bunch of retail stores across America. And we will link out to your website and socials in the show notes below. So everyone go head over to those show notes and click through, follow them on Instagram and go try these products. They are absolutely delicious. I can tell you Molly has tried them too and they're Molly Carton approved as well. So go check them out. Anouk, thank you again for being here and sharing your incredible story. I know this is just the beginning. I'm Stephanie and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entrepreneurista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entrepreneurstas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entrepreneurista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entrepreneurista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead.